The wildfires in Maui have been absolutely devastating. 114 people already confirmed dead, an additional 1,000 missing. The island's most historic town, the original capital of the Hawaiian kingdom, has been burned to the ground. The main theory of how the fires started, the one that you have most likely heard because it's the favorite of the establishment media, is that it was caused by catastrophic climate change. Which, of course, it was not, because catastrophic climate change or global warming or global cooling or whatever they're going to call it tomorrow is not real. None of the apocalyptic predictions that the environmentalist zealots have predicted since the 70s have come true. The world has not ended. Humans haven't starved. Nations have not been wiped away. Even the polar bears are doing fine. More to the point, extremely slow and subtle changes in temperature, even if they were reliably occurring, do not cause massive fires in multiple locations at once. A slightly more likely theory as to the origin of the fires is that the Hawaiian Electrical Company knew of a wildfire threat but waited years to act. Four years ago, Hawaiian Electrical declared that it had to do more to prevent its power lines from spraying sparks that could potentially cause wildfires, but they didn't do anything to fix it. Ironically, because the company was devoting all of its focus to green energy production that did nothing but exacerbate the threat. But even that theory is weak compared to the most likely culprit. Not just the most likely culprit in my mind, but apparently in the mind of Hawaiian officials. And that's arson. For years now, people have intentionally set fires all over Maui. As Maui Mayor Michael Victorino noted just last year, fire and police suspect someone is intentionally setting them. Just a couple weeks ago, Hawaiian police responded to two fires on Maui. One started by an unattended cooking fire, the other apparently intentionally set, shortly after which point, according to investigators, quote, a male operating a green all-terrain vehicle was seen leaving the area. And who would do such a thing? We can't say for certain who might have done it here, but we can say for certain the answer to who would do such a thing. And the answer is environmentalists. Because, here we are, this is from the Department of Homeland Security. Department of Homeland Security has observed for decades that radical environmentalists constantly start fires all over the country. Between 1995 and 2010, environmentalist groups set off at least 239 arsons and bombings in the United States. They do this because people are not taking the theoretical threat of climate change seriously enough. So they make that theoretical threat practical by setting the fires themselves. It's not just the environmentalists. This is what leftists always do. This is how all ideologues behave when their theories don't line up with reality. I once gave a talk at Loyola Marymount in L.A. About halfway through the talk, a group of black activists marched in with duct tape over their mouths to protest. Their point was that they had all been silenced by white supremacy, but they hadn't. In fact, when they walked in, I offered them the microphone and they didn't take it because they couldn't take it. Not one of them had been silenced. So they needed to justify their theory by silencing themselves. 
Jussie Smollett could not get attacked by a conservative in Chicago. He couldn't find a conservative in Chicago. So he attacked himself. The list of liberal hoaxes in recent years would take up a whole week of shows to go through. The world is not as bad as the radicals say. That fact, which should be a cause for celebration, infuriates them because some people would rather watch the world burn. They'd rather burn the world down themselves than admit that their theories are wrong. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. This episode is brought to you by GenuCell Skincare. Get your GenuCell most popular package right now for over 70, 70% off. GenuCell.com slash Knowles. We got fat bottom girls coming up on the show. We will get to that in just a second. I'll leave that kind of vague. First though, how do you like the new digs? If you're listening right now on RSS or Apple Podcasts, you, you can't see it. We have after two years, two years, gotten a new set. Some 24 months ago, the Daily Wire said, Michael, we want to build you a new set. And then they banished me to a broom closet at a, a desk made of cardboard in front of a sheet of paper for the ensuing 24 months. Now, though, guys, they did a great job. I can't complain about the two years. They, they made the set so perfectly. My favorite thing about this set is that it has been so tailor-made to every desire, impulse, even fleeting thought that I have that if Ben ever gets his way and cans me around here, they won't be able to reuse the set. No one else could use it. I think I would take the set with me. So wonderful to be here in the new digs with all of you. And wonderful, sort of, sort of wonderful to see liberals admitting that they were wrong, being proven wrong again and again. Here we have Jake Tapper on CNN admitting that when it comes to the Hunter Biden crooked business deals, Donald Trump was right. Joe Biden was wrong. Glenn Kessler from The Washington Post uh, had a fact check about Joe Biden uh, from earlier this month, um, noting that Hunter Biden admitted in court in July that he was, in fact, paid substantial sums uh, from Chinese companies. Kessler wrote Hunter Biden reported nearly two point four million in income in 2017 and two point two million in income in 2018, most of which came from Chinese or Ukrainian interests. But this and this directly goes against what Joe Biden said in the debate in 2020 uh, with uh, Donald Trump. Take a listen. My son has not made money in terms of this thing about, uh, what are you talking about? China. What you mean of that is true. He made a fortune in Ukraine, in China, in Moscow, that is simply and various not other places. True. So it's from two different debates, but I mean, Trump was right. I mean, he did make a fortune from China and Joe Biden was wrong. I don't know that he was lying about it. He might not have been told by Hunter, but this blind spot is a problem. It's a problem, one, because Republicans aren't going to let it go. That's for sure. That's the problem. The, the problem is these Republicans keep talking about it. Actually, in their mind, that is the problem. And this is why I say it, it's only sort of nice to see the liberals admit they were wrong, because this is an extremely calculated admission. This is what's called a limited hangout. What is, what is Tapper admitting here? What is CNN admitting? Okay, Trump was right. Hunter had some crooked deals in China. And Joe, he might not have been lying. He just, 
He, he might not have even known about them. We, we know for a fact he knew about them. You know how we know that we, he knew about them? Because we have handwritten notes from Joe Biden to Hunter's business partner. Because we know that Joe Biden, when vice president, invited Hunter's business partner to White House functions with the president of China. Because we know that Joe Biden got on 20 plus calls with Hunter's crooked business associates. Because we know that Joe Biden was arranging meetings with the president of Ukraine to hook up Hunter. And we know that Joe Biden was doing it using pseudonyms. That's what came out last week. Joe Biden had secret email addresses with fake names. Robert Ware, uh, I'm sorry, Robert L. Peters and Robin Ware and all sorts of other permutations of those names. So why is Tapper and CNN, why are they admitting this? It's a limited hangout. A limited hangout is a tactic usually associated with espionage, but it's a broader political tactic, which is when you get caught, when they get you dead to rights, there is no way to continue to deny plausibly some action that you want to cover up. You just give them a little bit. You admit to a minor part of the crime or transgression that you're being accused of so that you can continue to cover up the rest and, in fact, deflect from, distract from the rest of it. So what are they distracting from here? Tapper is distracting from the fact that we know for a fact Joe Biden knew about this. Tapper is distracting from the fact that the House Republicans just got proof that Biden was conducting this business with fake names. So obviously shows intention, shows calculation, shows deliberation and deceit. The other thing he's distracting from is the breaking news report that came out on Friday, which is that Biden wasn't the only member of the Obama administration using pseudonymous email addresses. And not pseudonyms in the way that Mitt Romney was using a pseudonym. Mitt Romney got caught using a pseudonym on Twitter, Pierre Delecto, and it was so that he could like and reply to different journalists and stuff. It was silly. He was, he was liking and replying to some of his colleagues in Congress. It meant nothing. It was just a, a pastime for him. For these guys, for these Obama administration officials, they were coordinating crooked business deals with major oligarchs and world leaders. And who were the who were the Obama administration officials? Were they low-level people? No. We found out that the, the people who used alias email addresses were Lisa Jackson, EPA administrator, Loretta Lynch, super crooked attorney general for Obama, Eric Holder, also crooked attorney general for Obama. Barack Obama himself used a, a pseudonymous email address, as did Hillary. But I'm going to give both of them a little pass here. And I'm going to give them a pass because the Obama and Hillary pseudonymous email addresses were things like, you know, BO357. That's not the precise one, but it was, you know, HROD352, uh, various versions of their own names. So I don't really count that in the same category. People like Lynch, Holder, Jackson, Joe Biden, when he was vice president, they were using completely invented identities obviously, not just to avoid FOIA requests and oversight in a, uh, a way where you could have plausible deniability that you were doing it intentionally, but in a way that was crafted to avoid any oversight because they don't want people poking into their crooked business dealings. Okay, I guess Trump, Trump was right about Hunter. Yeah, you bet he was right about Hunter. He was right about the rest of it too. Don't be satisfied with the limited hangout Keep on digging, House Republicans and Republican voters. Now, speaking of Republican voters, we have a debate coming up. We'll get to that in one second. First, though, in our crazy political order, you want to protect your assets? You got to check out Birch Gold. Right now, text Knowles to 989898. As central banks in countries like China, India, and Australia begin transitioning to a digital currency, 
The Federal Reserve has been contemplating the same for the U.S. With a digital currency, the government could track every single purchase you make. Officials could even prohibit you from purchasing certain products or easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. These are some of the reasons concerned Americans reach out to Birch Gold. They want to have a physical asset like gold that is independent of the U.S. dollar. You can protect your IRA or 401k by diversifying with gold from Birch Gold. Historically, gold has been a safe haven in times of high uncertainty, which is right now. Learn if gold is right for you, too. Text Knowles, Canada, WLAS, to 989898. They will send you a free info kit on gold. With an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers, countless five-star reviews, I trust Birch Gold to help you diversify into gold. If a central bank digital currency becomes a reality, it will be nice to have some gold to depend upon. Again, text Knowles, Canada, WLAS, to 989898. Speaking of Trump, we got news out now. This is according to a report from the New York Times, so take it with a grain of salt, but they're probably right here. Trump is going to skip the GOP debate. We've all been waiting. He said he wouldn't go to the debate. He wouldn't sign the loyalty pledge that the RNC was trying to get him to sign. But now it seems likely he will skip that GOP debate and instead have a one-on-one interview with Tucker Carlson. And maybe you love Trump. And maybe you hate Trump. But I want you for just a moment to try to put your feelings, however strong, aside and just look at this as though you were a strategist advising Donald Trump. This is obviously the smart thing to do. Obviously. You might not like it because you want Trump to show up to the debate stage, either because it'll be very entertaining and you like him or because you like DeSantis or somebody and you, you want DeSantis to have a shot at hitting him. But this is obviously the right thing to do. According to virtually every poll, GOP voters prefer Donald Trump to the entire rest of the field combined. According to virtually every major poll, the one outlier is Reuters, which has him slightly below 50% support. The rest of them that being listed on the real clear politics average have Trump at over 50% support. So if Trump has the majority of primary voters locked up, according to pretty much every poll, why would he give his opponents the opportunity to take him down at a debate? Doesn't make political sense. But furthermore, he says, okay, the, the voters like me more than they like the rest of the field. Okay, so I'm going to go do my own thing. Furthermore, which group or organization do GOP voters prefer? The, the primary base, Tucker Carlson or Fox News, which is hosting the debate? Easy answer. You might say, well, Fox still gets viewership. Fox still, yeah, sure it does. In terms of Republican primary voters, Who inspires more loyalty and affection, Tucker Carlson or Fox News? Tucker, for sure, especially after Fox fired Tucker. It makes perfect sense for Trump to skip this thing. Now, maybe this this harms Trump's poll numbers. Maybe the, the debate opponents who show up, the second tier who show up to the debate in Milwaukee, maybe they don't just spend the whole time sniping at each other and they actually go after Trump and maybe somehow that knocks down his poll numbers. Well, then I guess Trump's going to have to show up for the second debate. But if you were advising him right now on the first debate, I don't see how you could possibly advise him to show up. Now, speaking of those other candidates, Ron DeSantis, who's still the number two guy in the race, got in a little bit of trouble over the weekend because he had an interview with Will Witt, our pal Will Witt, formerly of PragerU, now of the Florida Standard, in which DeSantis described 
Trump voters as listless vessels. We have a strand in our in our party that views supporting Trump as whether you are um, a, a rhino or not. And so you could be the most conservative person since sliced bread unless you're kissing his rear end. They will somehow call you a rhino. So it's been totally detached from principle and what you actually believe and results. And it's more about, you know, just what faction you happen to do. So there'll be people uh, who are huge Trump supporters, like in Congress, who have like incredibly liberal left wing records that that's really just atrocious. And yet they're viewed as by, by some of these folks as like as like really, really good. Then you have other people, you know, like a Congressman Chip Roy, who's endorsed me. Congressman Thomas Massey. These guys have records of principle fighting the swamp that are second to none, and yet they will be attacked by some of these people and and called rhinos. Uh, so it's just been totally detached from any type of substance, and ultimately. Okay, put a pause a there. Move- but let's put, pause it right there. He has more to say, which is important. But as for what the governor said up till that point, he's basically right. His observation is right that. There are very liberal Republicans in Congress who, because they support Trump, get praise and adulation from the more conservative elements of the GOP base. Well, that seems crazy, doesn't it? Whereas you get a Chip Roy or you get a Thomas Massey or other people who are, have pretty decent bona fides as right-wingers, rock-ribbed people, and they get attacked by the more conservative wing of the GOP, and they get lumped in with the more liberal wing of the GOP, and it's all based on whether or not you support Trump, that is more indicative of whether you're considered a a hard right winger or a squishy liberal type than one's voting record or the statements that one makes on various policy issues. That part is true. Now, where DeSantis, I think, goes wrong is in his explanation of this. A movement can't be about the personality of one individual. The movement has got to be about what are you trying to achieve on behalf of the American people? And that's got to be based in principle. Uh, Because if you're not rooted in principle, uh, if all we are is listless vessels that's just supposed to follow, you know, whatever happens to come down the pike on Truth Social every morning, that's not going to be a durable movement. Uh, would that it were so simple, Governor. Would that it were so simple. But first of all, not a not a good idea to insult the primary base. And the way he does it here, it's not as bad as the deplorables comment as some people are suggesting it was. It's not as bad as the bitter clingers argument. In fact, DeSantis is lumping himself in there. He's saying, look, if we all do this, we conservatives, we Republicans, then we're going to be listless vessels and we're not going to do very well. Okay, fair enough. The thing that he gets wrong here is that politics is not just about the message. It's also about the messenger. This gets back to a basic observation from the Canadian communications theorist, Marshall McLuhan. The medium is the message. The medium is the message. In politics, especially that's the case, because we're electing men. We're not just electing robots. We're not just electing blank slates. Or we're not just electing five bullet point manifestos on the back of a napkin. We're, we're electing living, breathing men with flesh and blood who walk around and who say things and who do have personalities. Politics is largely about personality. And a problem for DeSantis is because he's the anti-Trump candidate, he's attracted a lot of support from the squishy liberal side of the party. I don't think DeSantis has particular affection for the squishy liberal side of the party over the conservative side, but that's just the way these sort of things shake out. You think about 
if you only voted on issues, let's say you were a, an abortion voter, you're purely pro-life. That's the only issue you cared about. You'd probably vote for Mike Pence. Right? Mike Pence has a very, very consistent record of being pro-life, much more so than Donald Trump. And Donald Trump has spoken favorably of abortion rights, rights, quote unquote, in his career. And yet Trump got more done on abortion than Mike Pence did. Mike Pence was part of that because he was the vice president of the administration. But you don't just vote on issues. You vote on the whole thing. And the reason the personality matters is because Donald Trump is viewed by the liberal establishment as a wrench into the system. That's why they're prosecuting him over nothing. That's why they're making up these ridiculous excuses to prosecute him. Because the very fact of electing this guy was such a middle finger to the system in 2016 that they can't take it anymore. And so that's why they tried to undermine his administration based on BS that they just fabricated out of whole cloth. And that's why they're, they're trying to put him into an orange jumpsuit now. It's a little bit like the facts don't care about your feelings thing. That's, it's true that fact, facts don't care about your feelings exactly. But politics largely cares about your feelings. And th- that's why DeSantis, though he's got a great record and though he's got a great program and he's probably got a very coherent political vision, he is going to have to inspire personal loyalty based on his personality if he wants to take the number one spot in the race. It's as simple as that. You gotta look good. And when you wanna look good, you gotta check out GenuCell. Right now, go to genucell.com slash Knowles. What do you see when you look in the mirror? Do you see dark spots? Well, they're not gonna go away on their own. You need help from GenuCell's dark spot corrector here just in time for the summer and for the fall and for the winter all year round. The dark spot corrector has not one but three cutting edge ingredients, goes to work fast on sunspots, dark spots, liver spots, even old discoloration, both on your face and hands. You will be amazed at how quickly you see results. You can now enjoy summer beach, sun, barbecues, without embarrassing spots. With GenuCell, you will see the results or your money back. No questions asked. Go to GenuCell.com slash Knowles right now. Get your dark spot corrector with the new GenuCell most popular package and say goodbye to those pesky spots tomorrow. They're offering free shipping free returns, and the best luxury skincare you've ever used, all for 70, 70% off. All orders will also include a mystery luxury gift while supplies last. Genucel.com slash Knowles. Are you sick of lib corporations dragging your beliefs through the mud? Wash your hands of it with Jeremy's brand new hand soap. Jeremy's hand soap is the perfect solution for everyday grit and grime. Not to mention it smells amazing as it is scented with green tea and citrus. Ooh, Jeremy's actually cares about you, so he didn't put any of that paraben crap in his hand soap. No, sir. Not only is it paraben-free, it's also free of sulfates and DEI and ESG as well. Plus, it's not tested on animals, and it's made right here in the USA. Jeremy's hand soap is only tested on aliens, not on humans, not on, not on animals, not on little bugs, only extraterrestrial aliens being held in Matt Walsh's studio. What more could you want from your hand soap than to get clean hands while keeping a clean conscience? Do yourself a favor, wash your hands of hypocritical libs once and for all. Jeremy's hand soap is the ideal addition to your bathroom or kitchen sink as you liberate your home from the influence of woke companies. Go to jeremysrazors.com, order your green tea and citrus hand soap today. Now we got some good news here. Rare good news from the political order, but some good news. A federal judge has just determined that you cannot copyright AI-produced material. 
So if you if you logged on right now to Midjourney or ChatGPT or whatever, and you had ChatGPT write you a novel, or you had Midjourney make you a big painting, you can't copyright that. Now, maybe you were not trying to copyright it, but plenty of big studios and corporations are trying to copyright these things. Well, uh, apparently, copyright law, according to this judge, has, quote, never stretched so far as to protect works generated by new forms of technology operating absent any guiding human hand. Great news from U.S. District Judge Beryl Howell, who says that human authorship is a bedrock requirement for copyright. It's good news because we all want to avoid the AI dystopia where Terminator just comes around and starts killing all of us. And the way to avoid the AI dystopia is not to whine about it. The way to avoid it is to uh, pass laws. And because we don't really pass laws anymore in this country, the legislators don't do that. We just get bureaucrats writing regulations and judges making decisions. Well, here, especially because the the judges are so powerful, the judges come in and said, no, we're going to we're going to stop the main incentive for this AI revolution, and the main incentive is money. This is, an, this is an important fact about the political order, too. Whenever people whine and complain, whether it's the 2024 race, whether it's the, the way that the Congress operates, whether it's the way that, that new regulations are passed, people whine and complain, and they say, this isn't fair, and this isn't right, and Democrats are being hypocrites, and come on, where's the justice, where's the... Very often, especially in regimes that become decadent and cynical, money talks and BS walks. And so if you, if you want your cultural change to have any sort of teeth, you're going to have to enshrine it into law and make sure that it lines up with financial incentives. This is good stuff. This is really good stuff. We, you still, human beings are still necessary, at least for now. Speaking of art, Queen, one of my favorite rock bands of all time, not like the biggest rock and roll fanatic, but you know, one of my favorite rock bands ever, Queen, has just dropped one of its biggest hits from its greatest hits collection. The new greatest hits collection for Queen will not include Fat Bottom Girls. Oh, you're going to take me home tonight. Oh, down beside that red fire light. Oh, won't you let it all hang out, Fat Bottom Girls, you make the rock and roll go around. That's going to be out. This song was written in 1978. It's been a big hit ever since. It was written by Brian May, who's a big lib. Worth pointing that out because I think this is crucial here. And it would appear, though the band hasn't made any statement on it, that the libs of Queen and the record label have caved to the woke people who have said that this song is politically incorrect and that it's mean to fat women or something like that. And you might be saying, Michael, that explanation doesn't make any sense because we live in the world of Lizzo. We live in the world of body positivity. What are you talking Fat Bottom Girls should be an anthem, except Fat Bottom Girls is kind of a cheeky, funny song. It's kind of making a little bit of a joke about it. Kind of like, uh, what's that song? Lola, Lola, you know, who's a, a dude but looks like a chick or whatever. You don't really hear that song as much anymore because it's kind of, it's a song about a certain psychosexual phenomenon that we're not allowed to talk about on YouTube. Uh, but you'd think, well, maybe you'd hear that song more now as that, uh, ideological fad has become more prevalent. But no, because it's kind of making fun of it. Well, here, Fat Bottom Girls is kind of making fun of it, but shouldn't that, but shouldn't that be positive too? Can't we appropriate that term just like LGBT activists have reappropriated queer? It doesn't, hold on, what's going on? I'll tell you exactly what's going on. It's the catch-22 of woke culture. You see this, if you're a white guy, you see this if you, if you serve tacos at your dinner party. 
If you serve tacos at your dinner party as a white person, that is cultural appropriation. If you don't serve tacos at your dinner party as a white person, that's cultural erasure. If you wear a sombrero on Cinco de Mayo, cultural appropriation. If you don't acknowledge Cinco de Mayo, cultural erasure. Those are two Mexican examples, but they go throughout the entire culture. And so here, if you have a fun song about slightly more corpulent, buxom women, uh, that would be appropriation, I guess. That would be you're making light of this issue or making fun or being derisive. But if you don't, it's erasure. What do you do? What do you do? You shut up. That's what you do. The reason the reason that Queen has to get rid of the song is not because of the, the subject matter of the song. The reason Queen has to get rid of the song is because they're white guys. The nearest thing to a not white guy in Queen was Freddie Mercury, and he's been dead for decades. So they can't do it. It's not that this sort of thing cannot be talked about. It's that you can't talk about it. Now, getting back to money. Joe Biden has just brought some great news out. This is, I had missed this achievement of his administration. Joe Biden has, for the first time in many, many decades, decreased the national debt, allegedly. And unlike the last president, in my first two years in office, even with all we've done, I'm the first one to cut the federal debt by $1,700,000,000. $1,700,000,000,000,000. Cut. $1,700,000,000,000 cut from the debt since Biden took office, except actually... Since Biden took office, the debt has increased $4.175 trillion. So that's a delta of five or six trillion dollars. That's hmm. How do you reconcile those two things? Oh, Biden's just lying. Biden has not cut the debt at all. He's he's massively increased it. According to uh, Moody's now, what about the deficit? So maybe maybe Biden meant to say he's cut the deficit rather than the debt, right? The debt is just the total amount of money that we owe. The deficit is how much more money we're spending every year than the money that we're taking in. Well, according to Moody's, uh, Biden's actions in his first two years, quote, have undoubtedly resulted in higher deficits, not smaller ones. So Biden has increased the debt massively. He's increased the debt massively by maintaining, or according to Moody's analytics, increasing the deficit. So what he said just isn't true. It's completely divorced from reality. I I couldn't even begin to tell you what he was trying to say. So he's either a liar, which he is, or he inadvertently got this wrong out of incompetence. He's also incompetent. So I don't know which of the two it is. Either way, though, you might be saying, well, how is this guy going to get reelected? He's running for office again on not a lot of accomplishments. And we were talking about the importance of personality when when you're running for office. Well, how is he going to get elected if he seems incapacitated? Because what other option do the Democrats have? What other option do they have? He, it, unless he actually dies in office or on the campaign trail, this guy is going to be the nominee. He wants it. He doesn't like Kamala Harris. He doesn't like Pete Buttigieg, for goodness sakes. He doesn't like Gavin Newsom. This guy has spent every waking moment since he was two years old, maybe since he was in the womb, figuring out how to be president. That's all he wants in life. He's not going to just give it up unless he's dragged out of there by his ankles. So he's going to be the nominee. And if he's the nominee and you're a Democrat, what are you going to do? You're going to vote for Trump? Probably not. 
You, have a, you probably have a better shot of voting for Trump than you do of voting for a standard GOP type, a Mitt Romney or a John McCain, because at least Trump is weird and populist and upends GOP orthodoxy on a, on a handful of policies, at least. But still, you're probably just going to vote for Biden. You're going to vote for Cornell West? You're going to vote? No, you're probably just going to vote for Biden. So even, even if he gets everything wrong that he says, even if his presidency is unsuccessful, if you were a Democrat, why wouldn't you vote for him? You're going to vote for Orange Hitler, the mango Mussolini that the media have just spent seven years telling you is the greatest threat ever in the history of our country? Even if DeSantis is the nominee, you're going to vote for DeSantis? Ron Death-Santis, the killer of Ponte Vedra, who, who slaughtered senior citizens during COVID, according to the liberal media? No. Who are you going to vote for? Vivek? They'll figure out something about Vivek if somehow he's the nominee. No, you're going to vote for Biden, even if it's weekend at Bernie's and they're stringing him up like a marionette. Now, speaking of Biden's incapacity, I meant to get to this last week. This was, this was a minor political snafu and scandal, but, but it, it's telling about this, the current state of affairs in the race. Corinne Jean-Pierre accidentally posted a tweet in the voice of Joe Biden. Corinne Jean-Pierre, the press secretary, tweeted out, or someone tweeted out from her account, quote, investing in America means investing in all of America. When I ran for president, I made a promise that I would leave no part of the country behind. I don't think Corinne Jean-Pierre ran for president ever. So this means that from the White House, someone sent this from the wrong account. Okay, of course, no one really thinks Corinne Jean-Pierre is running her own account. No one thinks Joe Biden is running his own account. No one thinks that Joe Biden knows what Twitter is. The reason this kind of a little gaffe matters is it gives you another little hint of why at least some people, a substantial number of people, like Donald Trump. And why they even like his tweets, which are often extremely obnoxious and sometimes kind of embarrassing. They like Trump, and they like even the Trump tweets, because they know there's a real person there. There's a real guy, and it's Trump lying in bed, doom-scrolling at night, just sending out crazy despite the constant negative press kofefe, and then he falls asleep, he doesn't even delete the tweet. And it's kind of weird and bizarre and maybe even a little bit embarrassing, but oh, it's a real person that I, that I can feel affection for, that I can be loyal to, that I can expect something from him to keep his promises, we hope, that I, that I can rally around. This is democratic politics, folks, lowercase d. This is government of the people, by the people, for the people. So we want people. It's, it's a people business, <laughs> Okay especially when we're talking about the executive, which is one person. And I think part of the reason that you've got so much political rot and malaise right now is that we've, we've divorced government of the people, by the people, for the people, from the people, from their desires. You, you elect either party, you get more migration, you get more foreign war, you get more outsourcing of jobs, you get more debt, you get more of the same, stuff that people aren't calling for, but that's what you get anyway. You, in, in the case of, of recent decades, you elect people, and yet the ones who make the laws are the unaccountable careerist bureaucrats who you can never kick out of office. And in recent decades, you you get people running for office, you don't feel any connection to them. The last president, other than in the days just after 9-11 when George Bush had a lot of goodwill, you know, he threw out the pitch at Yankee Stadium, threw out that perfect strike. People had, I think, a lot of personal goodwill toward him. But beyond that, that rare historical moment right after we'd been attacked. The last president who inspired this kind of 
personal loyalty and a little bit of crossing the aisle was Ronald Reagan. Ronald Reagan had that real personal connection. And uh, that's missing. That's missing when you could send out the same tweet from the press sec or the president or who cares, the VP or the secretary of this. Doesn't matter. It's all the same focus group tested nonsense, political gobbledygook from an establishment that is increasingly unresponsive to the people. Now, when you want to uh, cut through some of the red tape in the bureaucracy and engage more with people when it comes to your healthcare, you got to check out MediShare. Right now, go to MediShare.com slash Michael. As a Daily Wire listener, you are not just informed, you're handsome. Also engaged and you value personal responsibility, freedom, our way of life. That is why we think that you will like MediShare. MediShare is a community-based approach to healthcare that lines up with the principles that you believe in. Your values matter. With MediShare, your healthcare dollars won't be used for medical procedures that don't line up with your beliefs. MediShare is the highest-rated healthcare sharing ministry with a 30-year proven track record. It's not health insurance. It's a community of 400,000 believers committed to caring and sharing for one another. Members save up to 55% or more on their monthly healthcare costs. For a limited time, Daily Wire listeners will get a $150 gift card when you join MediShare. To find out more, go to MediShare.com slash Michael. That is MediShare.com, M-E-D-I-Share.com slash Michael. Terms and conditions apply. My favorite comment on Friday is from Mean Bean Comedy, who says, Michael, I tried playing your yes or no game with my girlfriend, but she kept getting upset when the women voting questions came up. I guess in one of the packs, because, you know, we have the booster pack now, the conspiracy theory pack for the yes or no game. It's available on Daily Wire Shop. It's probably going to sell out. So if you want it, you should get it now. But I guess one of the questions is, is pertaining to whether women should vote or not. And uh, so anyway, the comment keeps going. I tried telling her to calm down. I said she was acting crazy. And I even informed her that she was acting like her mother. Any ideas? Well, look, you've obviously studied women. You know exactly the things to do and say to uh, persuade them. I don't know. I mean... You could ask the, You could ask her if she's forgot to take her pills today. You know, you could um, you could tell her you're going to go watch the game with the guys and ha- crack a few beers, and hopefully she's not as nuts when you get back. I don't. You know, yeah, all of these things usually calm women down and get them to like you more. So I think you're on the right track. Speaking of the race, we keep forgetting about this third potential candidate in the race which is Cornell West. Cornell West is this leftist professor. He's been at Harvard. He's been at Princeton. Now he's somewhere else, uh, but he's also running for president. Cornell West is running and the, the liberal establishment's trying to take him down. They're saying he has tax problems now because they want him out of the race because according to a new Emerson poll, if Cornell West is in the race and Trump and Biden are the nominees, then Trump is going to win. According to this poll, and don't forget, Emerson is a liberal poll. And it's considered a good liberal poll. 538, Nate Silver's outfit, ranks Emerson as a top poll in terms of reliability. Shows that 42% of registered voters would vote for Trump over uh, Joe Biden. Uh, West, Cornell West, takes 5% of respondents and another 13% are undecided. So you got a one percentage difference here, but it Cornell West could give the election to Trump. Now, worth pointing out, even if West is not in the race, even if it's a head-to-head matchup, Trump still, according to Emerson, has this razor-thin 0.7% lead. So for 
for all intents and purposes, it's a, it's a tie at 44%. 12% of respondents are up for grabs here. So even, even people always think, they think a year and a half out, now closer to a year out, they'll say, look, this is how the race is going to shake out. There's going to be, this guy's going to be the nominee. And then if this guy's the nominee, then this is how these people are going to vote and this and that and this and that. No one knows anything. No one knows anything. You can't predict the future. And it could take one Cornell West. It could take one Ralph Nader. Ralph Nader doesn't run for president in 2000. Al Gore becomes the president. It could take one little nothing, totally unexpected blip to throw the election. And what does the election matter? We've just been talking about how the president doesn't actually have that much power and the legislators don't have that much power. The judiciary still does though. And the president appoints the judges. And we got some great news out of the Fifth Circuit. Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals just ruled that the abortion drug mifepristone should not be distributed through the mail or prescribed via telemedicine. This is a ruling, unfortunately, that can't take effect until the Supreme Court issues a ruling on the decision. So previously, we, we covered this on the show, we'd gotten a ruling from the U.S. District Judge Matthew Kaxmarek, who suspended the FDA's approval of mifepristone. This is just the chemical abortion drug that, that is accounting for a huge number of abortions already, and in the future will likely account for a huge number more of the abortions, especially as states begin to outlaw abortion in the wake of the Dobbs decision. So this federal judge said the FDA should not approve this thing. This is a dangerous drug. It should be taken off the market. This appeals court judge said, no, 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 it still gets its FDA approval, but you sh- you can't prescribe it through telemedicine, and you can't send it through the mail. The Alliance Defending Freedom, which is just a great organization fighting these cases, uh, pointed out, said the Fifth Circuit rightly required the FDA to do its job and restore crucial safeguards for women and girls, including ending illegal mail-order abortions. The FDA will finally be made to account for the damage it caused to the health of countless women and girls and the rule of law by unlawfully removing every meaningful safeguard from the chemical abortion drug regimen. So young, young girls, in many cases, are getting these extremely powerful, dangerous drugs, and they're popping them to kill their babies so they think that they can do it without anybody noticing, and they're having all sorts of unwanted side effects and and harms. Increasingly, the courts are going to be where the winds are. This is one of the reasons that the left is indicting Trump. You know, I I really like Trump as I've, I've made no secret about that fact, but I will totally admit, I think I've admitted more than most Trump supporters and as much as some of Trump's harshest critics, that a lot of his policies were a little weird. You know, the, the jailbreak act that, that, uh, First Step Act, I thought it was completely insane. The border wall did not entirely get built. And now, now Biden is selling off. He's auctioning off unused portions of the border wall. That didn't happen. I, I felt Trump could have done a lot more on the sexual revolution stuff. Uh, or I would have liked to have seen that. I would have. He was doing very well on trade with China, but then that ended when the COVID stuff happened. Obviously, some of the COVID policy was messed up. So I have as clear-eyed a view of Trump as, as possible. And I think the the liberals do too. If Trump had just been passing laws, tax cuts or something, I don't think they'd go after him quite so hard. But he was he was trying to upend policy, and by instituting his judges, by by putting them on the courts, huge number of judges, including the Supreme Court, he had the most significant effect on public policy of any Republican in our lifetimes. The guy got Roe v. Wade overruled. And you might say, well, that was just the courts. Yeah, but the judges were appointed by the president. And he appointed better judges than previous Republican presidents. 
So that's a big deal. That's why they're going after him. Increasingly, you're going to see that focus on the courts. Speaking of the sexual revolution, this is a story that I haven't seen a lot of people talk about, but it's a, it's a really good sign for the culture. And the sign is that Burning Man ticket prices are collapsing. You know Burning Man? If you have never been, you, you, if you're listening to this show, you very likely have never been to Burning Man. Maybe you have. But you probably know some big lib or hippie who has been. Burning Man is this weird ritual every year where people go out to the desert, like a bazillion people go to the desert, and they do a bunch of drugs, and they have sex with a lot of people, and they move around like weirdo hippies, and they worship this, this burning idol. And people think of it as an artistic event, you know, man, or it's like kind of a cultural, it's like a fun, like weird cultural thing. Well, it was a, it was a really big deal. And now the tickets are collapsing. Tickets face value are 575 bucks. And yet now they're selling for as low as 139 bucks. Parking passes used to be 150. Now they're, they're being marked down to 105 bucks. We've never seen anything like this. What's going on? Is it an artistic shift? No, it's not because that people don't like the music as much anymore. Is it a cultural shift? Not exactly. It's a religious shift because Burning Man is a religious ritual. They literally worship a burning idol, <laughs> okay? There's no, there is virtually no difference between what the hippies do at Burning Man and what the apostate, perfidious Israelites did in the desert when Moses went up the mountain and left them alone to their own devices and they started having all sorts of bacchanals and worshiping a golden calf. There is virtually no difference. And forget about the Israelites for a second. Shows you that even the most serious, monotheistic, God's chosen people can be so faithless. But virtually every pagan society throughout all of history, throughout the Hellenic world and throughout the, the, the uncivilized world too, this is what they do. They do a bunch of drugs and they have a bunch of orgies and they worship gigantic idols. That's what they do. And that's what they were doing here at Burning Man. And I think people just got sick of it because religious fads come and go. False gods come and go. This is the wisdom of Bishop Fulton Sheen, who says that if you marry yourself to the spirit of the world, you'll find, uh, the spirit of the age, rather, you'll find yourself a widow in the next. So the Burning Man, the false Burning Man God, seems to be passing away. There are other false gods that are cropping up. These same weirdo new agey hippies are going to go do some other bizarre ritual that's going to involve a lot of drugs and a lot of orgies and a lot of bizarre activity. But it's not going to be this one. This one's not going to endure. Only true religion endures. This is the line of Hilaire Belloc, who says the way that he has to take it on faith that the Catholic Church is real, that's divinely instituted. But if you don't believe it, the proof of its divine institution is that no other organization conducted with such knavish imbecility would have lasted a fortnight, much less 2,000 years. A lot longer than Burning Man. Okay, it's Music Monday, baby. The rest of the show continues now. You do not want to miss it. Become a member. Use code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S. Check out for two months free on all annual plans. 